All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you trade for a guy like Casey Smith, you know one thing's going to be true, and that is that he's going to step in and give you a good goaltending performance whenever he's called upon. I've been saying it for years, and he proved it last night cold open edition of Canucks conversation on Shohei Otani signing day. My name is Dave Wadrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Working remotely today uh, is our producer, Grady Sass. Uh, okay. I've been silenced a little bit because I came in guns blazing today saying, guys, I only want to talk about Shohei Otani. Uh, that's the biggest story in the sports world right now. And I was told this is a Canucks podcast, so I got to keep it down, but I'll be back with a vengeance during anyone else, which is in about 30 minutes time. So I'm sure Otani will have signed by then with the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, quickly, we are going to uh, recap the game, a wild win over those Minnesota Wild. Wyatt Arndt is going to join us at 2.15. No football quiz today. Wyatt said he wasn't feeling it. I respect it. No football quiz today. It's a beautiful, beautiful Friday afternoon here in downtown Vancouver, coming to you from the Sheraton Wall Center this is Canucks Conversation. Today's episode and our first segment is a presentation of our friends over at Four Winds Brewing. Family owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer. A beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Now, I'm going to get a lot of stuff about Otani and the Jays. And, oh, why, why do you care about the Jays? I'll get into it during anyone else. All I'm saying, a lot of four wins going to be delivered if Otani signs tonight. Delivered where? To your home through the online shop at fourwinsbrewing.ca. Nice setup, Harm. <laughs> that was not intentional, <laughs> but it uh, it works. Well, the advertisers, the, the sponsors, well, the folks over being- at four wins, the great folks over at four wins are going to love that. You think uh, people in Vancouver are celebrating that a Toronto-based team is... Uh... Uh, yeah, and I'll get to it during anyone else. I'm not even going to start. I don't There's... think as many no. people care as you think. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Uh, okay, let's start with last night's victory. I didn't even ask you how you doing. How you feeling today? Great. I'm feeling electric. I'm so hyped right now. This is going to be a... I wonder why. This is going to be a fantastic show. Let's start with the Vancouver Canucks because this is still... Canucks conversation last night, a two nothing victory over the Minnesota wild. I'm going to start. I've done a lot of the talking here. I'm going to keep it going. I want to start in net with Casey DeSmith who turns in the 28 save shutout. We're going to talk. I'm sure 
about the concern level when you see the Canucks fail to start another game again. But the big difference between last night's game and the one against the New Jersey Devils, I thought, was that they figured it out after 20 minutes of play rather than 40 minutes of play. Another difference, they were up by a goal thanks to uh, Niels Huglander, who we're going to talk about more. But I want to start with Casey DeSmith turns in the 28 save shutout, a very well-deserved shutout. Trevor Beggs over at Daily Hive had this, that it was the first shutout in six years. The last guy to get one, Anders Nilsson. Wow, that's a name I haven't uh, thought of in a long time. I And look, I know I there's you know a lot of people out there who just think, oh, Quad just talks good about any any Canucks goaltender because he's talking to Ian Clark. That's not the case. I, I promise you that's not the case. But there was a time where I thought Anders Nilsson was going to be the next big thing. I thought he was pretty decent. Do you remember? Yeah. I think during the beginning of his Canucks tenure, he was pretty solid and he was going sort of neck and neck with Markstrom. And then I think he what was it ran into injury problems. And all I remember was it started really positively. And I, I thought too, wow, the Canucks have found a guy here. Well, first we thought, okay, not only have they found a guy, it's a one, a one B with Markstrom. This is, this is no longer Markstrom's crease. This is going to be Anders Nilsson. Obviously Jacob Markstrom, Markstrom absolutely excelled under Ian Clark uh, at the time and ran away with the job as uh, Anders Nilsson. I wonder where Anders Nilsson is now. He's retired, isn't he? Like, retired from pro hockey? I don't know. I'll have to look up his hockey DB page at some point. But Casey DeSmith, let's focus on him, Harm, because the conversation you and I had earlier in the season and the one we had yesterday was that the Canucks kind of got away from playing DeSmith as much as they were earlier in the season. And with the lack of back-to-backs coming up in their schedule here in the next little bit, there's genuine concern whether he would play at all, really. And when you do that, you're kind of, in that territory of riding Demko a little bit too hard, as we've seen the Canucks do basically every year prior to this one, it was really nice to see him come out. You know, obviously his last start was the one against San Jose, where I think it was his first start of the year with a sub 900 save percentage. Really nice for Casey DeSmith to come out and have the performance that he did last night against Minnesota, especially in that first period. Definitely. And I mean, what stood out to me was, I mean, I'm a goalie expert. So the extent of my analysis is often he looks square to the puck. He's moving well side to side, but what stood out was how well he seemed to track puck, especially through traffic. I mean, I think about the uh, Erickson Eck power play rebound chance where that's a big dude. And somehow he's able to sort of see the initial shot and be in the right position for the rebound. Uh, A couple of the wraparound chances that the wild were able to generate. He seemed compact. He seemed in control, even the rebounds, Sometimes in previous games, he'll sort of have them land in unfavorable positions. Mm-hmm. It felt like that wasn't as much of a, a potential concern against um, Minnesota. And credit to the Canucks because they collapsed pretty well in the slot to dig the, to dig a fair number of those second chance pucks um, out of harm's way. So, yeah, it was a solid start. And, I mean, the first period for the Canucks, it was a nightmare watching them try to break the puck out of their own end. I mean, forget doing it with control, even just trying to get simple clears out. I mean, uncharacteristic turnovers from even guys like Sam Lafferty and Ilya Mikheyev. Heck, I counted two icings and two turnovers for for Quinn Hughes just in the first period. That rarely happens. The team just felt so dysfunctional. Uh, They were losing every puck battle down low, and DeSmith was there to to bail them out and give them a chance to find their legs in the second and third periods. RP88 in the chat said, haven't felt this confident in a Canucks goalie tandem since Luongo and Schneider. I want to focus on the first period because the people yearn for the high danger, high danger model, courtesy of me, David Quadrelli. Uh, so I'm going to give it to the people because Natural Statric had it at seven high danger chances for the first period there. I also had it at seven. So me and Natty Staddy, we agreed on that one. Uh, second period, I think they had it at one. I had zero. Um, I thought the Canucks defended so well in the second period. And the thing that, aside from defending and collapsing on that home plate area, which I think they've really, uh, that's an underrated thing that we haven't talked about a lot, is how bad they've been at limiting those second chance opportunities or compounding mistakes, right? Like, I think that was what made them so successful to start the year. And I think for the final 40 minutes, especially, they were really good at that, at not letting mistakes be compounded. And you know, like not dependent on one guy, but I look at a guy like Ian Cole, where if the mistake starts with him, it's more, I think it's more 
common that we will then see the mistakes start to add up and then the pucks in the back of your net if it starts with Ian Cole. I don't know if I'm onto something here, but it's just one thing I noticed last night, whereas in the game against New Jersey, he was kind of starting some of the mistakes. When Ian Cole's on his game, it feels like the rest of the team is also on their game. But in the second period, they obviously forechecked really well. I thought they were really stingy through the neutral zone, especially. It looked like Minnesota just couldn't, not only could they not enter the zone, they couldn't even get out of their zone or out of the neutral zone because the Canucks were so quick getting onto them um, basically everywhere, all over the ice. Um, I've got a few things that I want to get to here, but the one thing I want to ask you, Harmon, was when it comes to when it comes to the top six outplaying Minnesota's top six, that was the thing that you highlighted ahead of yesterday's game. How did you feel they fared in that matchup? Well, it didn't really happen, right? The Both the Miller and Pedersen lines were outshot and outchanced. Uh, they didn't end up on the score sheet. Both teams obviously didn't have many power plays or power play opportunity, opportunities, but even at even strength, didn't feel like they generated a ton. And of course, it's where you had some of your depth force sort of um, chipping in. The third line again was the best line. Connor Garland was an absolute engine, the way he was driving play, setting up chances, making quick passes, of course, um, setting up uh, Bluger for his goal, but also the Garland stretch pass to spring Joshua for uh, the the partial breakaway where Spurgeon was able to just get back the nick of time uh, to really deny the chance. And then even Joshua off the rush had a gorgeous pass that he made to Bluger that Bluger hit the crossbar on. That line was was all over it. And, of course, Hoaglander scoring as well. Yes, he played in the top six, but he's still one of this team's sort of depth forwards. It's one of the first times we've seen him in the top six. So, yeah, I don't think the top two lines necessarily came through, but that's where it was really nice to see the Canucks pull out a win in a game where Hughes, Miller, Pedersen didn't hit the score sheet. Yeah, that was what I found really interesting was I thought it was a good game from Elias Pedersen in terms of winning his matchup. I think they were outchanced by like one chance according to natural stat trick, but I thought at five on five, Elias Pedersen not only held his own, but I liked a lot of what I saw from that line, even though they didn't record a point and PD goes without a point in that game. I thought that was a great game for Elias Pedersen with what we've seen from him lately. Well, yeah, and I should also clarify, I don't think it was Pedersen's, like you said, I don't think it was Pedersen's fault at all that his line necessarily didn't drive a ton of offense. I thought both Lafferty and McKay have really, really struggled. Mm. Uh, they had, especially in the first period, a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers. There'd be situations like, I remember one shift where that line was pressuring play well. They got the puck back. PD got it to McKay on the left wing and McKay just mishandled it. And then mm. on, on the attempted dump in couldn't get it past the defenders so that they could establish the four check. I, I didn't think as much as I was saying, Oh, the top six didn't, you know, maybe look that dynamic. I don't think I was on Pedersen at all, especially in the first period when he wasn't involved in the breakout problems at all. He was, he wasn't involved in any turnovers. I can't, think, yeah. I can't think of them. So yeah, that that was that was in in my opinion his wingers not having the best night, especially through the through the first uh, uh, twenty minutes. One thing I do want to say though is even though the Canucks were lifeless in that first period, they didn't have the type of catastrophic breakdowns that they did against the Devils, where there were no cross ice passes that led to the backdoor types of chances where the goalie has no chance on. There were no odd man rushes against. And overall, I mean, when you look at true grade A chances, I disagree with what natural stature had. I think the Canucks by the eye had a clear advantage because off the top of my head, I can list off the Besser breakaway, the Joshua breakaway. Uh, I think the the Bluger, you know, partial breakaway, which he scored on uh, the Bluger rush chance off the crossbar. Uh, GT Miller robbed twice on the power playoff backdoor uh, plays um, in the second period in quick succession where Gustafson made an absolutely phenomenal save. I don't think for as well as DeSmith played, I don't think he had to make the type of save that Gustafson did on Miller twice uh, on the power play in um, in the second period. Uh, JT Miller had a separate two-on-one rush. Hoaglander had, an, uh, had a two-on-one rush where he couldn't quite get the get the pass across to, to or Besser couldn't settle the pass across. But the point being that, especially 
in transition off the counterattack, the Canucks generated way more. And so as much as we compliment, you know, the goaltending, I think a big part of it is the Canucks were pretty stingy. I mean, the block shots were 22 to 11 in the Canucks' favor as well. They packed the slot. They didn't have anywhere near the types of breakdowns that we saw against the New Jersey Devils. And I think that's a big reason why they give gave DeSmith a, a chance to sort of shine as well. What'd you think of Andre Kuzmenko? Because I was poking around natural statric, as people can probably tell. Uh, they had him getting outchanced when when he was on the ice, the Canucks getting outchanced at five and five. Keep in mind he only played a hair over nine minutes of ice time, four chances for and 13 against. So that doesn't look great. What did the eye test tell you? Funny that I'm asking you about the eye test. Yeah. I I thought he was pretty invisible, to be honest. I'm going to just jump in here quickly because I kind of pointed out that I didn't think he had the best night. And a lot of the people in the Canucks Army con- comment section were pointing out that, well, he controlled the puck a lot. He carried the puck a lot. But in terms of the things we want to see him improve on, what this coaching staff wants to see him improve on, I don't think he really, you know, it was, like I, I, I'm not thinking of any moment last night where I'm like, there he is, there he is on the four check, there he is being F1, there he is being terrific in the areas that the coach staff wants to see him improve. I didn't think that happened last night. It was pedestrian. It was not an awful or, or bad game, but I don't think he stood out for many positive reasons either. I mean, you referenced the the chances, the shots on goal were eight nothing in favor of Minnesota when uh, Kuzmenko on the fourth line was uh, was on the ice again. I don't think that was all on him. But yeah, I think invisible, like, I don't want to say quite invisible, but he just wasn't impactful for better or for worse, I thought. Is it becoming fantasy for Andre Kuzmenko to be a good two-way player? You don't have to answer that. It's a segue into an ad read before we get to why it aren't. Because Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. For those of you who dream of smoking the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. But here's the big secret to lineups. It's all serendipitous, like Wendy's new limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks. Sometimes the best teammates are the ones you least suspect. Sign up to play Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool to win weekly prizes, like the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Let's bring them in. No intro music today. Sorry, Stanch. Uh, we... Have, we don't want to have technical difficulties, so no intro music today. Uh, but you're still in Club 42 with John Hamm, or as Harmon would call him, the older guy that I've seen on TV once <laughs> in a while, um, right behind you. Wyatt Arndt. Wyatt, how are you doing today? Uh, surviving, boys. I'm surviving. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, I want to start with last night, your topic of the Stanchies, the one that when I was editing it at 12.15 in the morning, I texted it to you and said, this needs to be in the title. Connor Garland. The 99 Corolla. Please explain. I mean, he's just a reliable kind of guy. I think a lot of people uh, are... I think Drance leaned in it too, but a lot of people look at points as the base, right? And I get that. It's a very good kind of point of reference to start off with. But 5 on 5 production is, you know, obviously what you want to go with. And he's not being outpaced terribly by other players. I think 5 on 5 he is driving that line. Like, if you think about it, having a guy that can drive a line on your bottom six is, is a tremendous asset. It really is. Because a lot of times we've seen at the Canucks in the past have had just a middling bunch of forwards that just kind of exist in the bottom six and no one really stands out. Like remember the Tyler Mott days, like he didn't drive the line, but he got breakaways. So he was the best quote unquote bottom six guy, but it wasn't anyone that you'd really like build a team around. And I'm not suggesting Garland's like a core piece of the team, but just for a guy that can get in there and, and provide almost every aspect of the game for you. Like he was responsible defensively. He was making good passes. Uh, he was, again, I've never seen a player and not, you know, he's, he's so small guy. We know that, but he is so hard to get off the puck. And that's something that I mentioned as well. Like Jake Bertanen would lose the puck so easily. A guy who was big, 220 pounds, couldn't handle the puck to save his life. But Connor Garland's out there getting low to the ice, low base of gravity, can't knock him off. He's drawing penalties. Um, and obviously, that was one of his best games of the season, so it was very easy to come out as a Garland truther today. But that is sort of the thing you see from him on a, on a, a day-to-day basis. And I think some people are kind of forgetting that like he has put up 50 and 46-point seasons for the Canucks, so he can produce in the top six role. So I am kind of surprised to see a bit of the pushback from people. It's like people have been waiting to attack Garland. And I know his contract makes him an easy target. I get that. But for me, he's been one of the better Canucks this season. Wyatt, what did you make of Nils Hoaglander in the top six? He's like, he, he's the kind of guy, you know, I talk like some, right? Like you look at like, if you, I know Kuzmenko is the topic of the day. You put Hoaglander up there. Hoaglander's out there. He's throwing hits. He's working hard. And it's not even necessarily that Neils is great in his own zone because he's not there yet. He still has a ways to go in, in his own zone. 
but he's at least driving the offense. I think the way that uh, Talkic likes, like at least he's when he's in the offensive zone, he's making things happen. Whereas right now, Kuzmenko's kind of in a black hole out there where I think even he doesn't know what the coach wants him. He just seems kind of lost at times. And like I said in the statues last night, it's almost that Goldobin feeling where like, you know, this, this, this kid has a bunch of talent, but he's not playing the way that their coach wants. So you just don't know where the end is going to be for them. So for me, Hoaglander, though, he's playing fantastic. He's He's got a bit of swagger to his game. Like when he came in and just unleashed that shot, it was uh, as a draw off the screen, the goalie. Great little shot, put it on net. And that's, again, to put it back to Kuzmenko, that's the thing where we see Kuzmenko come in and then kind of pull away from the net and go to the side where Hoaglander is just, he just gets it done. He goes out there and, and does what the coach wants. So I think that's why talk is really kind of vibing with him right now. So Niels Hoaglander, Connor Garland, two wingers who are going. What did you make of Elias Pedersen's wingers last night? Does he need new ones? If so, who are they? Well, it is kind of unfortunate right now. Like I know Mikheyev. I still you know, like Mikheyev. Um, I think that's still a good player for him. Lafferty, I'm also a fan of. But you're right. It gets to that point where you're almost like, we call it the Bo Horvat rule, where it's like, okay, you're just going to kind of hope that your center can just kind of <laughs> keep his line going on his own and just give him whoever. Uh, and to some extent, Pedersen's going to have to be able to do that. Like he is, you know, he's he's been lucky in the past to play with some of the best players on the team. So there are going to be times where he's going to carry, you know, the water for the team on, on his own line. So for me, I, I you know, we, we have all the speculation of if he's injured or not. And, you know, we'll find out later if it was. But his play has been, you know, not as impactful as the, as the first month of the season. So it's one of those things where I'm just trying to be a bit cautious right now because the sample size is a bit small. But I think for him, you know, the idea that like obviously anyone would want to add another top six winger to this team easier said than done but in terms of like you need to start stacking his line right now honestly uh Patterson's gonna have to be able to carry that line himself regardless I think what did you make of the Canucks after that really rough first period just flipping the script and completely controlling the game for the for the final 40 40 minutes it's it's a type of big switch that I don't think the Canucks have been able to pull off in in previous seasons where after a start like that, oftentimes it just feels like the Canucks would sort of settle into this uh, malaise of mediocre mediocre play. Yeah, like I was watching after the, obviously that heartbreaking loss against New Jersey. That's something that can kind of maybe, you know, get a team really down. Like you're that close and you blow it. You kind of start getting in your head a bit. And then for them to come out against uh, Minnesota so flat, you're, you're starting to think to yourself, like, I've seen this script before. Like, even I was starting to write the stands, like, all right, this is like, I had like really sad gifts to show of like really small <laughs> plays. Like, this is not great. Uh, I'm reaching for content. Uh, but, and like, I think early on, even Minnesota, like, they were getting like, you know, some chances down low on the goalie. And Casey Smith, that's when he kept him in the game. And it just felt like their structure was starting to fall apart. And it was all this, the, the bad things we've seen from this team where Rick Talkett comes to the podium and you can just see he's tired of talking about it. I'm like, oh no, it's going to be a bad presser. And then, as Harmon said, they, they flipped the switch. And that's something they haven't done in the past. And this team has had some setbacks. And, you know, to talk it in the team's credit, they found a way to kind of bounce back and push back. And, yeah, they're, they haven't been playing tremendously great. They haven't been up and down. But they're not going into a spiral. And that's kind of what everyone's talked about. After that hot start, like, it would take a, a spiral to kind of miss the playoffs. And right now, they're, they're treading water until they can kind of maybe get in their groove again. And that's to their credit. Because the second and third period, that was, you know, that Rick talk at hockey right there, right? Except for Kuzmenko. So that was what, <laughs> you know, he wanted from the team. And that's, you know, if you're a fan of the Canucks, that's what you want to see. Perfect segue into my next question. What did you think of Andre Kuzmenko last night? I, I mean, I always joked about how he's the one guy in the world who can never be sad, but I pretty, I'm pretty sure he's sad lately, boys. He looks pretty <laughs> down. Like, he's just sad in his interviews. He's like, I, I forecheck. I know I got a forecheck. Like, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, like, I think it was Daniel uh, pointed out to me in the sky, like, his KHL highlight package, like, he did a lot of spinning, and, like, it worked really well in the KHL. Like, that is in his DNA to, like, spin away and find room. And some of the defending in the KHL, he would spin once, and you see the KHL defender would be, like, purely style, like, ah, oh, whatever, you got it. And, like, just give him the lane, right? That's just not there in the NHL. There's not enough room for that out there. And I really think, uh, you know, obviously after last season, it's almost like everything went right for him, right? Every shot would get in. He didn't, he didn't shoot a lot. He wasn't a volume shooter last year, right? He wasn't at Toffoli, but everything went in. So this year, new coach, different style. His shots aren't going in. Like, everything's kind of going wrong for him. So in one sense, it's a perfect test to see if he can adapt to the NHL. Like, it's a good test for him. And I do think he's got a good head in his shoulders. He wants to do it. But I do think he is a bit confused as to, like, what he should be doing out there. I don't think it's gotten through. And I think Talkic's frustrated. We've seen him get frustrated talking about it. I think Uzbenko's frustrated. So now it comes down to, like, are they going to figure this out? Or this will be one of those things where, like, you had a $5 million asset that you're now turning into a gold open. And it'll come back to that thing of, like, should they have traded him last season and, and sold high, right? That'll be a talking point. J-Pat was at practice today and pointed out that um, uh, Pia Suter was uh, was with the team. And, you know, J-Pat also said that Talkit, 
uh, mentioned that he'd like to get Suter um, three three to four practices practices under his belt before Suter returns to the lineup. But with that encouragement of just seeing him back on the ice, how exciting is it to sort of think about the possibility of Suter returning to the lineup and what value do you think he could um, he could add? Well, I'm going to take it to Garland because Garland, I've talked about like kind of being like the Kyle Wellwood where he's like trying to set up guys that, you know, aren't traditional scorers, like nothing against Dakota Joshua, but he's not a, like an a, a NHL scorer at any, at any point. So you're asking Garland to produce points with the guys that aren't necessarily finishers. I think Pius Suter's got a bit more of that scoring finish in him. So if you can get Garland into the mix with Suter, all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, maybe you start getting a, not only a, a third line that can drive the play, but now we're starting to score more goals and maybe take some of the pressure off of your top six lines. And maybe other teams trying to try to match it up a bit more gives more ice time to your top line. So I think it's one of the things that, you know, trickles down throughout the lineup that all of a sudden, if you've got a third line that's no longer is now starting to put up points on the board, it opens up the ice. Cause right now, honestly, and I have to say like the, the top six has struggled at times with five and five scoring, right? So anything you can do to kind of help them with that pressure, that's going to help the team out. How much do you go into Bali hurt? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that clearly uh, is the main thing. Here. <laughs> do you care at all about Shohei Otani? Oh, uh, everyone's talking about it. I'm a Red Sox boy. So I almost like right now, there's like a lit tweet just came out saying that Otani's not in Toronto. He's not in a flight and he's at home in California and people are losing their minds. And I am loving it because I have nothing to lose in this scenario as a Red Sox fan. Noted Boston sportsman. No, no, David Ortiz, don't you dare do that to me. <laughs> I, I, I am ruins. fine. I, I'm okay if you're an Ortiz fan. Ortiz Being a David man. Ortiz fan is fine. I like yep. Mickey Betts when he was there. I don't like Boston. I don't like the Red Sox. Anyways, thank you for doing this, Wyatt. Much appreciated, man. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Noted Brad Marshawn fan. Why don't, don't, don't you? <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> Thanks, Wyatt. Thanks, boys. There he is. Wyatt aren't uh read the stanchies over at canucks army i think the this last one he wrote was one of the best uh of the season and he talked about connor garland being a toyota corolla not just any corolla a 99 corolla do you want to get to anyone else yeah let's do okay. it i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Time for Anyone Else, presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms do apply. Shohei Otani can go get himself some DoorDash with that code because the offer is valid in Canada. Uh, the latest on Shohei because people are talking about it uh, in the chat. Bob Nightingale tweeted out and Wyatt brought it up that Otani's just at home and everybody's been tracking this flight from Anaheim to Toronto for no reason. So some rich dude on a private jet from Anaheim to Toronto is just having his flight tracked by thousands upon thousands of Canadians. Uh, and it is not Shohei Otani apparently. Imagine the collective disappointment when they see the the flight land and the guy gets off the plane and it's like that's not Shohei. He just gets out of the plane and everybody's like, 
taking pictures and it's just some the binoculars guy. out yeah exactly like i'm sure you like okay let, let's talk about this from a sports media perspective okay let's let's switch it to the canucks let's say i don't know let's say Connor mcdavid was a free agent and the canucks were the front runner to sign him it was between them and i don't know the leafs and he's on a flight you see a flight coming to vancouver would we not send reporters to the airport I would like, I, I think it was Kuz, Ben Kuzma, that told me this story that he once waited at an airport when there was like the rumor of a signing. And like his boss told him, you need to go wait at the airport and just try and see who's bringing in hockey bags off the plane and stuff. And obviously, hockey's a little different. It's a private jet for show. Hey, it's a little, little different, but I don't know. I would, if I was in Toronto, I would 100% be there right now. Like, if I was, if it was my job to cover the Blue Jays. I would be waiting for that flight to land. Yeah, and then you see the tweet, and you're like, "Damn it! Why am I at the airport?" He's sitting back in. No, nope, uh, I'd be okay with it. I I would be okay with the logic of it. If I went to the airport and I was waiting, and then I see that tweet, I'd still I'd also still wait because I don't know. We know how things work in hockey and also baseball as well. I'm sure those guys get different information at times. Also, I know you don't know much about MLB insiders, but Bob Nightingale has been wrong about a few things before. And this doesn't fit my narrative, so I choose not to believe it. Okay, let's get to anyone else. Um, I, I Honestly, I don't want to talk baseball on this show. Um, let's get to the hockey stuff. And we've got quite a few here, courtesy of Grady, in the YouTube live chat. Uh, he said, this is from Kron. Is it worth putting Elias Pettersson with DK and Garley? Or, does two, or do two puck-dominant players not work? Yeah, I haven't ever really liked the fit between Garland and Pedersen because of um, because of what uh, Karn mentioned there in terms of the you know them both being puck dominant players. Garland likes to hold on to the puck, and the reason he works really well with Joshua and um, whether it's Bluger or Suter is because those other two sure they can make plays, but they're they, they don't demand possession. They don't hold on to pucks for a really long time, and so especially because I think sometimes it can be difficult to sort of read off of Garland. He's a pretty unpredictable player just in terms of some of his spins, turns. Some, sometimes he like will spam low percentage shots from, uh, from rough angle, from tough angles, trying to catch a goalie off guard. It's not the easiest player to develop chemistry with. And yeah, I mean, if anything, I think Garland has in the past shown more chemistry with Miller than he has Pedersen. So I would, I would, I would honestly leave the third line intact as it is and just uh, hope that Suter can get, get healthy as, as quickly as possible because then Garland has the ability to play with, uh, with a guy in Suter that can actually finish because Suter has consistently been a 14 to 15 goal score. And most of that has been even strength production. So he can finish. We saw that towards uh, the tail end right before he got hurt. Uh, that's what I think. Okay, this one from Knucklehead. Does anyone else think you can make an argument for throwing DeSmith a bone and letting him play Saturday as well? The Carolina Hurricanes are in town on Saturday. I think you can absolutely do that. You could. I don't know if I'm advocating for them to do it. But when a goalie gets a shutout, the typical rule is he plays the next game, whether you're a backup or a starter. That's just usually how it is but i wonder with a team like carolina do you do it again i don't know i don't know if we're at that point yet where you're running to smith out there for back-to-back games when it really doesn't seem all that necessary i like the idea of throwing the guy a bone after a solid performance but Demko's still your guy so i actually i'm wrestling with this one quite a bit i would uh i would go back to Demko for saturday and then just give him one of tampa or florida give him Another start for sure uh, out of the remaining three on this uh, homestand. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, Knucklehead uh, added about coming off a shutout being our Mr. Saturday night. Do you give him the carrot or is it more important to get Demko back in? Uh, Sniper asked, Suter was at practice today. Is he going to play on Saturday? No, uh, three to four practices from Rick Tockett. Don't know exactly when those practices will be, but I would put that at about a week. He's probably a week away from being in the lineup uh, just with how much practice time the Canucks are actually going to have during this upcoming week, which is definitely beneficial for them. Uh, Logan Van Dick asked, or didn't ask, he just said, please don't be like Sportsnet and plug in a Blue Jays stat every show, which segues me to my anyone else, which is about baseball. But I, I'm going to be serious here. 
because this is actually what I'm thinking. And there was the report from Steve Simmons and we've seen it kind of kicked around a little bit that when this NHL deal for Sportsnet comes to an end, we're going to see the broadcasting rights kind of get split again by TSN and Sportsnet. Don't think it's going to be a TSN monopoly like it was with Sportsnet. We're going to see them kind of split a little bit and we're going to see them shift if they get Shohei Otani. We're going to see them shift into more of being a baseball kind of network, right? And really plugging the Blue Jays and really honing in on their Blue Jays coverage, which obviously they've done for a number of years. And I've criticized it before about, you know, why are there no Mariners games on Sportsnet Pacific? We all know the answer. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But what I'm looking at is saying, all right, when I go to Sportsnet, I might see less Leafs now and I might see way more Shohei Otani. There's that aspect. The second aspect is the Rogers propaganda machine. I'm tired of turning on Blue Jays games. This is why I've watched more Mariners games than anything these past couple of years. I'm tired of turning on, you know, plays of the month highlights or whatever. And here's a feature on Whit Merrifield and why Whit Merrifield deserves to go to the all-star game and why Whit Merrifield is the best second baseman of all time. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on one guy in Whit Merrifield, but come on. I would much rather see the Rogers propaganda machine use its effort toward pumping up Shohei Otani, who is quite possibly one of the, the, the best baseball player of our generation, undoubtedly, but also possibly of all time. Absolutely, I would like to see that. As a Rogers mobile customer, I would like to see my dollars put toward bringing Shohei Otani to Canada. I would like to see those dollars put toward Shohei Otani features. I want to learn more about that guy. I want to see more coverage of that guy. I don't care about Whit Merrifield. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was propped up as this, you know, the second coming of Vladimir Guerrero. Come on. I just, anyways, I'm excited about the uh, possibility of oh. Otani coming to Canada. Speaking of being a Rogers customer, I would like to see my Ro- Rogers uh, dollars go towards lower phone plans. But if Otani comes and they were like, hey, Harmon, we need you to chip in an extra 50 cents a month. Got to cover this Otani contract. You'd be like, absolutely. It's your patriotic duty. 500 million is a lot. Imagine, imagine if they were just how much, like... How many Rogers mobility customers are there? I feel, I feel like we can find this out. We got two in this room. You can keep talking, by the way, while I Google this. Yeah, I... Uh... Okay, so 11.6 million. Sorry, as I cut you off. So we need to basically do 11 point or 500 million divided by 11.6 million, right? Yeah. Okay. And 500 million is the total cost. That's total, yeah. That's not even, and it might come out to 600 is the thing that we're hearing, right? Also, let's let's try not to keep talking about, uh, baseball uh, you get to a get to a hockey anyone else there's okay, something yeah. in the chat there i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out and this will be the end of the baseball conversation i promise okay this is from rp88 i think koozie needs more influence from a guy like miller are you still looking that up or are you yeah okay yeah i mean okay with jt it's interesting i, I think he from what i have witnessed has always been open to sort of being a mentor for players that are struggling struggling i mean even going back to his first season he would constantly be a resource for vertanen obviously vertanen didn't quite get it but miller was always helpful with him miller was always helpful with uh pod colson pod colson had glowing reviews about what miller meant to him as a leader when he was getting sent down to abbotsford for instance and getting called back up because miller had that sort of experience as well of being a top pick struggling earlier in your career constantly shuffling between the nhl and ahl so he's so he's been helpful there i'm sure there's there's a sort of um there'd be a willingness on miller's part but also the the challenge with kuzmenko is kuzmenko and miller could almost not be further apart as player types Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure that there's much that miller can share because he's just gonna tell he's just gonna tell him like you gotta compete much harder you got to be a dog on a bone you got to <laughs> win battles we've heard all of the mentorship that jt miller has given to a guy like vasily pod colson who profiles a little bit more similar to a younger version of jt miller and that's something miller's spoken about a lot it's something pod colson has also spoken about a lot i don't know if you can get that same mentorship with a guy who's quite different in andre kuzmenko uh do you want an update on the calculation <laughs> sure yeah the answer is that we really dropped the ball by getting me to do math because I think <laughs> I don't I don't even know if I did this right but if it's a 600 million dollar contract and you have 11.6 million customers you would need to raise over over the lifetime of the contract 
you would need to raise 51 million extra dollars from every or from your total customer base. If if, if every Rogers customer chipped in and paid 51 million dollars total. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to break this down any further, but we need to raise 51 million dollars as a whole to pay for the entire Shohei Otani Otani contract. Okay, let's maybe end this. I don't think this is going very well. Someone who's good at math, figure this out. Uh, okay, this one from Conrado Paderas said, don't know if you saw this earlier, Quads, but my suggestion for your HD HD chances was 4K chances. I, I like said that. that but did you not hear me before the show started? I called oh, them 4K chances. No, I didn't. didn't say anything. No, I like it. Oh, what the heck? Okay, people are saying, people are saying something happened with the uh, Canucks here and their logo. Okay. The Canucks released some sort of weird helmet tease. Breaking news, folks. I'm going to get you to take a look at that, Harmon. Uh, everybody, if you're on the live show, go look at the Canucks Twitter account, the official Canucks Twitter account, because it's a silhouette of a helmet that says coming 2024, January 2024. And we had some people ask about if the Canucks are going to switch to the black skate uniforms full time mid-season this is what we know folks last year the canucks had their black skate schedules they went away from it toward the end of the year when the season was in garbage time and they were trying to sell tickets they went back to the black skate at that time they have been getting a lot of good publicity from the skate jersey at this time quinn hughes just released his new team 43 promotional ticket giveaway where he gives away four tickets to first responders every game we saw it was firefighters night last night. That was all in the black skate color scheme last night. And the New Jersey game were not originally scheduled to be black skate games yet. The Canucks wore black skate jerseys during both of those games. Like I said, the team 43 logo and all the merch is made with the black skate colorway. Now, is that because it goes better with firefighting? I thought so, but now I'm starting to think they might be going to the skate full time, but they just released new helmets, the matte ones for the black skate anyway. So what's so are you suggesting that this could just be a matte blue helmet? I, I don't know what it is, but if they if they were going black skate full time, wouldn't you wait and they were making a helmet related announcement, wouldn't you wait before unveiling the matte black helmets? Someone's asking if it's a chrome helmet, but I don't know. Would you? Or would you wait to see how people respond to the matte black helmets? I don't think look. This could be anything. It's it's great marketing by the Canucks. We're talking about it. Like Otani signing with the Canucks. Oh my gosh, does is that what it means? <laughs> oh geez. Uh okay. I have to quote tweet that because that's a great I'm just kidding. I just I'm very curious. I'm just trying to read the responses to this. People are just saying, like, is this just a new helmet? But like there's a shine coming off it, which people are pointing out. Is it chrome? Like, are we gonna see chrome blue? I wonder. This is interesting. This is just, what a show. What a show this has been. We start on Otani. I give my little spiel about why I want Otani in uh, in Toronto and what it would mean for Rogers as a company, right? Like, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, yeah, people are saying it looks chrome blue. I, I, I wonder if it's full-time skate. It just happened, so I don't, I don't Sniper, have any theories off Sniper's got a good theory. That gif is a metaphor. Talkit is going to enforce bald haircuts. <laughs> that is a that is, if we had an award for the contribution of the day, that is it, sniper. That is a fantastic, fantastic. Uh, I hope you have a Twitter account because well, you should be tweeting that right also, now. Also, that might not be the worst theory to get uh, Kuzmenko going because Artemi Panarin went oh. bald this year. Artemi Panarin, after an awful playoff run and declining at 5-on-5, five five, decided to go bald and is back to MVP form. He's got 16 goals and, and 37 points in 24 games. He's been unbelievable for the Rangers. All right. Well, I think we've figured out how to solve Kuzmenko. I think we figured out how to solve all of our problems. Shave your head. How much, how much money would it take you to shave your head? Way too much money. Oh, whatever. Come on. We, we, we've had this conversation before about how much would it take for you to step in front of a Philip Peronic slap shot? And you, what did you say? Didn't you say like 50 million or something? No, I what? said like 500 grand. No, you started in the millions. You did started I? in the millions. I may have. You started in the millions. I think Grady was like, 
Grady was like like five dollars. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Grady, I've got our Betway bet in the work tape now. If you want to go grab that, but uh, we'll get to it in a second. Does anyone else have anything else uh, as we close out this chaotic episode of Canucks Convo? I know people want the latest on Shohei Otani. Nothing, but they Boston, really the Boston Red Sox have acquired, and this is topical, have acquired Tyler O'Neill uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill, famously from, give it to me, Harm. I don't know. Same who place he is. as Larry Walker. Somewhere in BC. Do you know who Larry Walker yes, is? Yes, I know okay. who Larry Walker is. Maple Ridge. Maple Ridge is. See, I said somewhere in BC. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> that was a that was a quads answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing. Let's... Nothing will top though. We're talking about Otani. Nothing will top the Tyler Myers free agent sweepstakes. Big right shot point producing machine. <laughs> Tracking Tyler he's Myers. Up to 13... Look, he's up to thirteen points in. Um... In twenty in twenty seven games, the Canucks should just send a memo to the rest of the league with Myers's height, his NHL game total games played experience, mm-hmm. his point totals, and his ice time, and his plus minus. He's plus eleven on the year. I like it. <laughs> and somehow they'll like honestly, probably five to ten years ago, I bet you there would have been a GM that would have bet. On just like that. Yeah, his name's basically. Jim Benning. <laughs> I mean, maybe Pierre Dorian too. Yeah, but Jim Benning beat him to the punch. It happened. You're saying you'd bet it happened. That is exactly no. What well, at this point, at this point, when you oh, if yeah, okay, okay, I know what you're saying. I know what you're like saying. Like if the Canucks wanted to get rid of him now, last year of a six billion dollar cap hit, I bet you five to ten years ago you could find in an old school GM where if you sent that PowerPoint presentation with all those attributes and stats I mentioned, you would find the taker. Okay, people are wondering if it's matte blue helmets. I don't know. Like, it would make sense, but then why are you doing the, you know, the little sparkle off the on the graphic that you posted? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. Sure. I wonder. We're seeing a lot of black skate. I'll tell you that. That's all we do know is that we are seeing a lot of the black skate jersey as of late. Uh, but let's get to our Betway bet of the day. Brought to you by our friends, as you guessed it, Betway. Pull it up, Grady. The Pittsburgh Penguins at the Florida Panthers tonight to win the game. A ten dollar bet at plus one thirty five odds returns you twenty three fifty over on Betway. Must be ninety plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Notably, every sports book shut down all of their baseball stuff because Otani's decision is so monumental. And uh, the the odds for who he would sign with those disappeared this morning. They got rid of them. They took them down. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Monday. If he signs, I'm 100% wearing a Blue Jays jersey on this show. 100%. What's next? The Leafs jersey? Nope. 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 I won't bug you about uh, Blue Jays jersey. Well, That's I'll fine. talk. I, it's I, funny. I, I, like blue, I think I like Blue Jays more than Marin- Mariners. As much as I joke about uh, Toronto-based sports teams, I wasn't a Raptors fan. Definitely not. But Blue, blue Jays, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't buy into the whole, like, Oh, you have to support them because there's can- because they're Canada's team. Absolutely, I don't buy that as a reason for it. I just like the like when they had Bautista and and Carnacion yep. and and that core Donaldson. That was just a fun team. Someone jumped in the chat and said, "Watch it just be a new helmet sponsor." <laughs> <laughs> no, Next Gen Energy is signed through the end of this season. So unless something crazy happened with the uranium supplier, um, I think it'll be all good. But back to baseball, real quick. Oh no! Real quick, real quick. Because you just brought it up, you made a good point about yeah, you liked the Jays when they were good. I I get that. I think the reason that I've been more into the Mariners, especially in recent years, is that like Mariners had a more exciting team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But they had Rogers propping up this group that I never really believed in as this great team that choked in the playoffs every single year. So that's funny because they are a Toronto-based franchise. But if you go out and you commit to getting the best player of our generation. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'd be kidding myself if I'm saying, you know what? I don't want to watch that team. I'm going to make sure that I go out of my way like I did last year to watch the Seattle Mariners who this season have cut salary all over the place, have one of the cheapest ownership groups in the league. I was part of the fans that went down and gave them a top 10 per, top ten in attendance in Major League Baseball this past season. How do they thank those fans, including myself? How do they thank us? They go cut salary. They go trade Gino Suarez. They make all these moves. They trade Jared Kelnick for nothing. 
just to cut salary. And the the thing from delusional Mariners fans was, yeah, they're going to go get Soto. They're going to go get Otani. Not once have they been connected to one of those guys. Get over it. They're going to trade for like Randy Rosarena because he has club control and they're going to be able to keep it short. And it's just, anyways, I'll talk about the Mariners another day. I'll probably fire up Batters Box, the baseball podcast that we had. I'll probably fire that up at some point in the near future because I don't want to talk about baseball on this show. It makes me sad. I may or may not have muted your mic in the middle of that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, Everybody, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We had a lot of fun. No Otani signing to report just yet, Uh, but we'll see what happens I'm banning you from discussing Otani on Monday. Oh, get out of here. I'm talking Otani on Monday. Okay, Uh, we'll keep it to hockey a lot more than we did today, folks. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh, Much appreciated. A lot of people in the YouTube live chat not loving the baseball talk, so thanks for bearing with us, folks. We'll be back. Thanks for bearing with quads. I never (laughs) asked for this Otani talk either. Yeah, I was actually told by you and Grady before the show started, do not talk Otani, do not talk baseball. You know what? I'm going to talk baseball. I'm going to talk baseball once a year. Once a year, I'll talk baseball for more Yeah, so not on Monday. Well, three minutes. You can keep it at three minutes. It's like goalie talk. I'm going to have the timer ready. Faber used to have a timer on goalie talk. I was not talking about goalies for too long. Although that would be an upgrade based on what I talked about a lot today. Anyways. Yeah, I'd rather goalie. I Wow. Goalie talk sounds really appealing. (laughs) All right. We'll close it out there, folks. Thanks for joining us. For Harmon Dial, for Grady Sass, my name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Otani Big Canucks Conversation. <laughs> Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 